The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, and shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I'll learn from God's Word, and my life will never be the same again. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. Praise God. Well, we started a brand new series last week. We were talking about uh, the born identity and how you and I can be established in our uh, identity in Christ. Amen. How we can be established in our redemptive identity. And so we looked at the book of uh, Exodus, uh, which is uh, one of the five that are called the Pentateuch. And uh, this was written by Moses. And, you know, the book of Exodus in particular, it focuses on uh, the children of Israel, you know, being set free from a slave system. And uh, essentially, that's what the word to be redeemed means. It means to be bought back from uh, the slave market of the enemy, of Satan. And, uh, you know, we learned two powerful truths last week about uh, this, this uh, redemption and the first thing that we learned was that uh, it was impossible for us to set ourselves free as slaves. It was impossible uh, for us to, uh, uh, you know, uh, obtain salvation uh, in our own strength. And we learned that through two vital principles. Uh, the first one is that uh, the door out of the slave market only has one handle, and that handle is outside. And what I mean by that is, you know, through what Adam did, uh, in the garden, uh, all men were plunged into the problem of sin. You were born with the sin nature because of the disobedience uh, of Adam. And so this is why Jesus was born outside of that uh, slave system, because anyone born of the seed of man is born in the slave. My child of a slave is a slave. Amen. You have no choice in the matter. And Jesus was not born through the seed of a man. He was born through the incorruptible seed of God's word through what is known as the virgin birth. And because of that, he was not born in the slave system. He was born sinless outside of the slave system. And because of that, he could open the door from the outside and set you and I free. Amen. And the second thing we learned was you can't uh, set yourself uh, free from the slave market. You can't earn uh, enough money to pay the redemptive price because slaves don't earn a salary. You know, one of the things you learn about slavery is that it doesn't matter how hard you work, you ain't getting paid at the end of the month. The only thing you get more of is work. Amen. And so it's foolish uh, for a believer to think that they can work themselves into salvation. Ooh, that's strong. It's foolish to think that you can fast your way into salvation. You see, just a few amens over here. They, they probably have a revelation of grace, everybody else, you know. Uh, it's foolish to think that you can uh, pray the, you know, rosary your way into salvation. You can't work 
hard enough to get yourself saved, someone else outside of the slave system has to come and pay the redemption price so that you can be set free. And Jesus purchased us by his blood. That was the redemption price. And he set us free. And you and I were translated from the kingdom of darkness right into the kingdom of his dear son. He redeemed us. Someone shout, I'm redeemed. Man, that's what the Bible says. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord say something. Someone shout, I'm redeemed. Uh, What that means is I'm now free from the slave market of the enemy. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us. Who? Christ. Not your own works. You see, this is where a lot of people get tripped up. They think that they can, uh, uh, you know, set themselves free through their religious calisthenics, you know. That's why people do a thousand and two things to try and obtain salvation. You can't. Someone else has to set you free. Man, when I started to learn about grace, I I quit on religion. I sent my uh, resignation on religion. I told the man, I'm not coming back. I'm, I'm done. Don't ever call me. I don't want back into religion. What I want is a relationship with God. And the way to get into that relationship with God is through Jesus. There is no other way. Can I get an amen? He says, Christ redeemed us. He brought us back. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, Galatians 3, 13 and 14, being made a curse for us. So he became a curse on the cross so that you, through that, might receive uh, the blessing of Abraham through faith. And so Christ redeemed us from all curses. As a child of God, Christ has set you free from the dominion of curse. This is why a child of God, watch this now, I'm about to press some buttons. This is why as a child of God, you cannot have generational curses. Because he has redeemed you from it. All you got left is generational blessings. Amen. Unless you want it. Someone shout, I don't want it. I don't want it. I want gener- man, I went, I did, I've been there and I've done that. I went to Generational Curses Seminar and man, they would, you know, take some out and then, you know, oh, but we left something, we forgot something. And then I have to attend the next year's one and then, oh, yeah, something else came up. There's a new curse in town. Man, Jesus redeemed me from all the curses. Amen. And all that's left in my life is, and all I'm expecting is generational blessings. In fact, when I got born again, my surname changed. I'm no longer just a Butai in the natural. I'm now a Christian, a Christian, which means I'm now of a new lineage. God has put a spirit of adoption on the inside of me. And now I belong to a new family. I have a new surname. I'm I'm a part of a new uh, uh, family tree. And that family tree apparently has no generational curses flowing in, just generational blessings. And if you don't like it, and here's the deal, if you don't like it, you can try working. We'll see you at the end of the month. And look at your pay slip as a slave. You know what else it will say? And so you can't buy your own salvation. In fact, when you put together your own works to try and earn your way into heaven, uh, God looks at all of that and he calls it just uh, 
rags, filthy rags. When you've, when you've done all you can in your own effort and you bring it before God and you say, God, look, I'm so holy, Lord. And he looks at all of that, all your effort. He says, oh, it's just filthy. It doesn't cut it. That's why it needed someone's sacrifice who's perfect, spotless, blameless and that was jesus and when that sacrifice was made we ob he obtained what they call it eternal redemption amen. my redemption in christ is eternal amen, amen. amen. i said amen. amen and so we look at the book of exodus chapter number three from verse 10 to 15 and we see here god introducing himself as the great i am to moses he said man i'm the when the uh, moses was sent he said lord when i get to egypt who should i say send me and the lord said when you get there tell them i am send me not I was or I will be, I am. Why? Because God is your present help in times of need. Amen? Amen? And, and we see that word, that name I am, is a redemptive name. God is introducing himself as the one that will set the captives free. As the one that will set the slaves free. God is introducing himself as the one that will, you know, kick the door down, kick the door open from the slave market of Satan and set us free. Amen? And so uh, God says that to Moses. And in the New Testament, Jesus begins to reintroduce himself using the same redemptive name. And he, he uses the same redemptive name to reveal seven different aspects or personalities that Jesus carries to deliver this redemption. He said, I am the bread of life. He said, I am the light of the world. And you and I have to be established in our understanding of these redemptive names if we're going to live a life full of blessings. Amen. Amen. He said, I am the bread of life. Last week we looked at Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. And uh, he said, I am the door of the sheep. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He said, I am the good shepherd. He said, I am the way, the truth. Man, think about it. There is no truth outside of God. He said, I am the way, the truth. Finiso. Amen the truth, and the life. Amen. And he also said, I am the true vine. Amen. And so let's go quickly now to John chapter number 10 and look at some things. John chapter number 10. John chapter number 10 from verse 1 to 10. He said, most assuredly, I'm reading in the New King James, he said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. So he's talking about the Pharisees. They were trying to obtain salvation through self-effort. And he says, that's just trying to steal something and rob something. Amen? He says, but he who enters by the door is the, sh is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, 
I am the door of the sheep. It's interesting that Jesus didn't say, I am one of the many doors to God. It's either he is the door or he is nothing at all. And so Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep. All whoever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. Verse 9, I am the door. And doors speak of access. And in particular, this verse is talking about access uh, into salvation, access into a relationship with God. And Jesus said, I am the one. I am the door. In other words, all that new age stuff won't do much for you. Oh, just a few amens. Just, just, you know, everybody else didn't bring their wallet with amens. Your ancestors won't help you much. Hallelujah. Uh, did you see that? Just a few amens here. Yeah. Uh, Jesus said, I am the door. So if you want to have a relationship with God, you can't do it through your grandfather who passed on, or your great-grandfather who passed on uh, many years ago. And when you go to those ceremonies and, you know, you hear his voice, it's just a demon. Okay, moving right along. He says in verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. That Greek word uh, saved there is sozo, uh, which means, you know, you will be forgiven. If you enter by the door, if you enter by Jesus, you will be forgiven. It's only in Jesus that forgiven is found. Forgiveness is found. Amen. Uh, that word sozo also means to be prospered. There is prosperity in salvation that is found in Jesus. It also means to be healed. There is healing in what Jesus did for us at the cross. Can I get an amen? amen. It also means to be delivered from life-threatening situations. And so he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Sozo, it's all-encompassing. That word is not just talking about missing hell and going to heaven. Salvation starts right here, right now. If you are saved, forgiveness is available for you. You don't have to live in condemnation. Prosperity is available for you. Healing is available for you. Deliverance is available uh, for you. Nothing missing and nothing broken. Can I get an amen? He says in verse 10, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he flips it. He says, I have come that they may have life. Someone say life. He says, I came that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly or in abundance. And I was saying in the first service, there are different levels of life. You know, there is the uh, 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 vegetation, you know, life. Uh, if you cut your, uh, your grass when you mow your lawn, uh, no one cares much about that life. And then there's the insect life. You know, you can kill insects. I mean, you can, you know, kill mosquitoes. And no one cares much about that. And then there's the animal kingdom. Now, you may get into little trouble if, if you kill an animal and, and someone films it. Put it on the internet. You know, those people are going to find you and you may get into trouble, right? And then there's, there's, there's the human life. You're certainly going to get into trouble. But when Jesus says, I came that you might have life, he's not talking about any of those. He's talking about the highest form of life. 
Amen. He says, I came that you might have life. He's talking about the God kind of life. He's talking about the God kind of living. Watch this now. Nothing missing and nothing broken. He says, I came that you might experience life at that level. And you can only experience life at that level through Jesus. Amen. When you come in through that door. Let's go now to uh, verse 11. Watch what he says. Moving right along. He says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. So we talked about him being the door, right? So here's something else that he says. He says, I am the good shepherd. And I want you to, to see uh, something that's conspicuous in its absence or, or something that he didn't mention, but we can imply it. Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. We can imply that because he said, I'm the good shepherd, they are also bad shepherds. So he calls himself the good guy. How many of you know that he, God is good? Amen. And that he is good all the time. Amen. And so you can't say God is good and is good all the time and then turn around and say he's the one who killed your child to try and get your attention. You can't say God is good and is good all the time and turn around and say he's the one who caused an accident because you hadn't paid your tithe last month. God is the good guy whether you pay your tithe or you don't pay your tithe. Amen. 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 He's good because he, he can't help it but be good. Amen. Just like God can't lie, God is good. Amen. Scripture doesn't say it's, it's a hard, it's going to be a hard thing for God to lie. It says God can't lie. Amen. What that means is if, if God shows up this morning and uh, he walks in here and he says, you know, a good morning, Faith Hill Church, on this beautiful Tuesday morning. It'll be foolish for you and I to turn around and say, Lord, it's Sunday. No, the Sunday changes and becomes Tuesday because God can't lie. Because it's in his nature. Whatever he says is the truth. And so some of you have been trying to correct God. God shows up and he says you're prospered. And you say, Lord, uh, Lord, you, you need to check my bank account first. Lord, uh, Lord. And he comes and he says, you're yield." And instead of the Sunday changing and becoming a Tuesday, you say, but Lord, I, ooh, I still have back pain. Ooh, I can feel. No, just receive what the Lord is saying over you. Amen. 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 And so God is good, and he is good how many times? All the time. Whenever there is a problem in your life, God is on the good side, not on the bad. He's not the uh, one causing the, the problem. Uh, it may be the devil, and sometimes it's just our own stupidity. Amen? Yeah. You, that one didn't go over so well. You, you know, I was doing very well since the beginning of the sermon. But here's the truth. The truth is, Hebrews 1.3 says, Jesus is the express. Someone say express. Jesus is the express image of God. In other words, if you want to see what God really looks like, you could look at Jesus and you will know exactly what God looks like and what God is like. And if God is really who many claim he is, then, you know, we don't see any of those elements. Jesus, nowhere in scripture did Jesus use leprosy to try and get someone's attention. And he had several opportunities. The one time he met this girl in John chapter number four, she was a bad girl. She was a bad girl. She had five husbands. And the sixth one she was on wasn't even his. He, he, Jesus was presented 
with the perfect opportunity to strike her with something. Lightning, something, just something. Strike her, Lord, because she's a bad girl. But do you know what Jesus did to reflect God's goodness and God's nature? Jesus extended mercy and grace, and it radically changed their life. Why? Because it is the goodness of God that draws man to repentance. It is when men learn how good our Heavenly Father is that they want to serve Him. So God didn't send Corona. So He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives His life, and He gave His life for the sheep. But a hireling... He who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling and does not care about the sheep. He's talking about the Pharisees again, you know, just trying to obtain uh, salvation through. It's not, it's not going to help you. He says in verse 14, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep. And I am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father and lay down my life for the sheep. And the other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring and they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. Now, of all the names that God uses in the Old Testament, the most frequently used name is the the name where God calls himself shepherd. You know, out of the, all the, 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 the catalog, uh, the, the entire catalog of names in the Old Testament, the one he uses the most, the one he wants you to uh, be established in the most is for you to know that he is the shepherd. So that when you know he's your shepherd, you can become sheep. God, is, God hasn't called anybody to lead their own life. Jeremiah 10, 23, he says, It is not in man that walk to direct his own steps. Men that walk ought to be led by another. And the other that should be leading you and I is the good shepherd. Man, God has called you to be sheep. And here you are. Some of you are trying to be lion. Lion man. Boom. Boom, 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 right? Man, trying to be a lion will get you killed. Amen. Amen. I said amen. Amen. Trying to be a lion will get you killed. Push the person in front of you and ask them, will you be sheep? I said push the person in front of you. Push them. Will you be sheep? Will you be sheep? Say yes, I will be, but you know, this is Gucci, you know. Yeah, whatever it is, whatever you're working with, just spell it out. (laughs) But here's the deal. Here's the deal. When you become sheep, you're safe. You know, he leads and you follow. See, uh, the Christian walk is so easy when you learn how to be sheep. Amen? Because he leads and you follow. So the problem is we're trying to be cheetah. You're trying to be a, a lion. Or, you know, better yet, Suroma Genga. That's, that's, you know, uh, uh, clever. What's that? Woke. Yeah, you're trying to be a, a, the clever 
here. You know, you're trying to run this thing. God has never called you to run. Uh, they, a, a group of pastors from, from the U.S. went to meet uh, Yogi Cho. He pastors the largest church in the world. And they went to meet him. I, I mean, at one point, they had a membership of one million people in South Korea. Large church. So a group of pastors from the U.S. went to meet with him. And uh, he was doing a, a minister's conference. And at the end, there was a question and answer session. And one of the pastors asked, he said, so Yogi, how did you manage to have the largest church? What's the strategy? What's the, you know, five-step plan to having a, a large church like the one you have? And Yogi laughed. He said, ha, 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 ha. Oh, it's so easy. He leads and I follow. And the pastors didn't like his answer. They said, but there's got to be something more strategic. Well, that's the strategy. Amen. When people ask me, what's your strategy for life is Jesus leads and I follow. And guess what? When you follow his leadership, you win. In fact, there's nothing better than his leadership. If you go back to John chapter number 10, if you uh, read verse 3, he says, To him the doorkeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. And he leads them out. Man, that's awesome. And he says in verse 4, when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. See, Jesus' uh, 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 shepherding is completely different from, you know, I used to go to the village and look after my, my uh, uh, grandparents' livestock. We would go every school holidays and look after, I'm, you know, I'm from the village, you know, and so we'd go after and, and look after, man, you know, them goats, man, we didn't call them by name. There was just one lump, you know, red one, b- black one. You know, purple, whatever, you know, color, you know, just, they were just a statistic. Amen? And even, the, you know, the way I grew up, I mean, I was born in Zimbabwe, a small country of Zimbabwe, in a small town uh, called Kwekwe, within the small town of Kwekwe, in a small neighborhood of, uh, called Mbizo, and within the small neighborhood called Mbizo in Section 5. I mean, these, these folk, the, the town planners, they didn't even take out uh, a time to properly name us. They just said section one, section two, section three, section four, section five. I was from section five. A statistic. But thank God I didn't stay a statistic. I may have been a statistic in their eyes, but when I got born again, that all changed. I became sheep, a part of his sheepfold, and now God Almighty knows me by name. Someone shout, I'm not a statistic. See, don't, don't, don't let them turn you into a statistic when the good shepherd knows your name and he calls you out by your name. Man, I used to think God was too busy to worry about me. No, he knows your name. He calls you out by your name. It says he knows the very number of hair on your head. Now, I have two daughters. I was saying in the first service, I've never taken time out to count their hair. I love them dearly, but I think that's a little extra. (laughs) Now, here's the truth. God's love for you is a little extra. Amen. Amen. 
It's a little extra. He knows the very number. And so when he comes to the uh, 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 crawl, when he comes to where the sheep are, he opens the door and he starts calling them out one by one. He starts spelling out your name. He starts spelling out your destiny. He starts spelling out to you the plan for the day. It says in uh, uh, Psalms 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. He starts spelling out your steps. He, sta- he cares for you. He's personal with you. Now, that's not how we used to do it with the cattle. We'd open the crawl and take out his lava. Did you read what he said? Let me read it for you in verse 4. He says, when he brings out the sheep, he goes before them. So the way he leads the sheep is to be in front. The way you drive cattle is to be behind with the lava. Hey. Let's go. We actually used to hit the animals. Some of you city sleekers don't know what I'm talking about. You like, yeah. maybe we should report him to SBCA. <laughs> yeah. That was way back in 1989. It's not a, you know, it's not valid anymore. The courts will throw it out. But we actually used to drive the animal. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, most people are born from Jobbik, so they're like, yeah, bastard, I can't relate. But we actually used to drive the animals from the back. And we were not kind about it. It was aggressive. Now, God's leadership for you and I is completely opposite of that. He leads from the front. And we follow him. And the reason he wants to lead from the front is so that he can dispel any danger that might confront the sheepfold. How many of you realize God had already gone ahead of you and he had already seen 2020? He had already seen 2021. He had already seen the great fall. He had already seen the global pandemic. He had already gone before us. And Psalm 65 verse 10 says he had already crowned that year with goodness. He had already gone before you and straightened out every crooked path. All you got to learn is to be a sheep. Bah, 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 and follow. Now, how hard is that? That's easy. Amen? Amen. I said amen. amen. So he leads from the front. Watch what he says. Watch what he says. Let's go to uh, Psalm. Let's go to Psalm 23. You know, uh, you know, but before we go to Psalm 23, there's a warped view uh, on the nature of God that, that can lead to a defeated life. We're going to go to Psalm 23, but before we do that, we're going to look at some characteristics of, uh, of, uh, of a shepherd. You know, a shepherd, we say, number one, the good shepherd is good. Mm-hmm. Amen? Uh, uh, you know, and uh, I, I once heard this story from the pulpit, you know, and I, I just have to read it word for word so that I don't uh, misquote anybody. I'm not saying the name of the pastor, so, you know, this is, I'm, I'm not trying to throw anyone under, under the bus. But this is what they said about uh, uh, shepherding, and they were trying to use this analogy to depict the way Jesus leads. And they said, shepherds in ancient Israel uh, broke the leg of a sheep who wanders. While the leg is healing, it is said that the sheep would be, uh, become endeared to the shepherd as he nurtures them back to health, carrying the disabled sheep close to his heart. So essentially what the preacher was saying is, when a sheep wanders away, he would go look for it. When he finds it, he would break the leg. 
and then carry it under his uh, 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 arm, his shoulders, so he can teach it to stay, you know, uh, uh, close, to, close to him and not to wander off. First of all, if you're going to do that, don't put it on Facebook. Because you're going to get into trouble. Second of all, uh, you know, I always think through these things. What if four sheep wander? An average sheep weighs about 30 kgs. What you going to do? And so what we're going to do, we're going to give this concept a, a chance. You know, we shouldn't just, you know, throw concepts. So we're going to read uh, uh, from the Word of God, and I want to ask you guys to, to work with me, uh, and I want you to look for this statement. Uh, then he uh, uh, breaketh its leg, or legeth. Okay, we're going to read a story where an actual sheep wandered, Right? And a shepherd went to look for it. And here's what I want you to help me with. Just listen out for these words. And he broke its leg. Can you do that? And when you hear those words, I want you to say etcher. Can we practice? One, two, three. Etcher. That's all I want you to say. When you hear those words and the shepherd broke its leg, I want you to say etcher. There it is, pastor. And then I'm going to stop everything I'm doing. And we're going to take this concept and validate it as truth. Is that a deal? Now, let's go to Luke 15 from verse 3 to 6. So you're looking for this a phrase, and he breaks its leg. That's what you're looking for. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. I like that. It's a let, right? Break its leg. Now, watch what he says in verse 3. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, it wanders away, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? Now, this is not, you know, the, 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 the normal way of doing things or taking care of animals. This is the Jesus way of doing it because he's the good shepherd. Amen. You know, when we would go out with my grandfather's goats, if one got lost, I mean, we wouldn't leave the dead. If you did that, you're going to get into trouble. You don't leave the 30 to just count your losses. That one, you, psh. But Jesus is making a point here. The way he shepherds is completely different from the way we do things. He is the good shepherd. He's not the hireling. And so he says he's going to drop everything until he finds that one sheep. And in verse 5, when he has found it, you're listening out, listen out, listen out for that breaking, breaking of the leg. When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoice. It looks like he skipped, a, he skipped, he skipped something very important. It looks like Jesus skipped. And I read this verse in different versions. I was looking for, and then he breaks. I couldn't find it. So it may be popular church doctrine. It may be tradition, but it's not Bible. Amen? It, it doesn't say anything about that. When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders doing what? Oh, I want you to see the attitude of how he recovers this lost sheep. He's not even mad at the sheep. He's rejoicing. Amen? And when he has come home, he calls together his friends and neighbors saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. This is the Jesus way of shepherding. Yeah. 
Amen. Now let's go to Psalm 23 and we'll wrap it up. Let's go to Psalm 23. Is this helping you? Man, he leads and we follow. Psalm 23, verse 1. David says, the Lord, the who? He says, the Lord is my shepherd. And because of that, I shall not want. I shall not lack. Because the Lord Jesus is my shepherd, I will not lack. And it's interesting that he didn't specify exactly uh, what he will not lack. You know why? Because this word, this, this, this promise is all-encompassing. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack joy. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack friends. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack health. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack provision. I'll be provided for. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Man, you look up that phrase, green pastures, in the Hebrew. Uh, it's the word, you know, fresh and uh, newly uh, uh, budding uh, grass. It's nice and soft. It's not brittle and dry trying to poke your mouth. <laughs> Amen? It's easy to eat. It's easy to partake. Do you see that? Yeah. See, I was saying in the first service, this is one of the reasons I don't like fish. Because, you know, you have to work to eat. Yeah. You have to get rid of all the bones and, ah, man, just give me a steak. <laughs> There's no work. Just, you know, fork and knife and that's it. This is, he leads me in what? Green pastures. He leads me beside the... Still waters. You know, because of our English language and, and how limited it is, uh, you know, when you say still waters, people think stagnant waters. And, and, you know, when you read it with that mindset, stagnant waters are nasty, man. They can, you know, they will have algae in there, frogs, mosquitoes are breeding everywhere. No, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about fresh waters that run deep. And the reason it runs deep is because there's so much security guaranteed in your provision. And when he says still waters, he's also talking about waters that are peaceful. You know, I've watched on uh, national, the National Geographic channel, a deer, you know, will go to the water wall. Just, you know, he's trying to quench some thirst. He's just trying to drink some water. And as he's drinking the water, a, a crocodile out of nowhere will come out of the water and snap. And it turns him into food. <laughs> and so the waters that the Lord leads you to is peaceful. His provision is peaceful. You don't have to look over your shoulder while you're spending this kind of money. Amen? Because it's, it's, it's peaceful. It's still. It's still waters. He leads us into a place of peaceful success. Amen. His blessing, it makes rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Amen. 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 Man, as we were getting ready to come back to, to church, we're coming back 
to church. I think it was July last year as we were getting ready to come back to church. Uh, you know, the president came on uh, television July the 9th, I think, and he said, hey, now you're allowed to uh, meet again. It was a Tuesday, and, uh, you know, I called my leadership, and I said, hey, uh, just give me a moment. I'm going to pray about it so we can, uh, you know, come up with a strategy of how we're going to do this. And so I went, and I looked at what my other friends in the ministry were doing, and some were putting out, you know, uh, statements, public release statements, and, uh, uh, and they were saying, you know, uh, press statements. They were saying, hey, listen, we're not going to open church uh, right now because we want to protect our people, you know. And then I would read somebody else. is like, oh, we're only going to open in summer because this is July. It's winter. It's cold. And, you know, people are prone to uh, contract this thing and, you know, spread it around. And so I went to the Lord. I said, Lord, what would you have me do? And the Lord said to me, hey, I read Hebrews 10, 24. And I went and I read it. It said, do not forsake the gathering together uh, as saints uh, physically. And so I went to the Lord. I said, Lord, if we open, who's going to protect these people? And the Lord asked me a question. It was in my prayer time. He said, uh, who has been protecting them all along? Amen. I said, but my pastor friend, such and such, said, you know, they really want to protect their people, so they're not going to open. And the Lord rebuked me. He said, well, that's his problem because he thinks it's his people. And I thought about it. I said, first of all, I'm not the, the chief shepherd. And it, it led me to uh, uh, John 10, verse 27. We're going to go back to Psalm 23, but this is what he led me to. And this is what the scriptures say. He said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Amen. See, when you make Jesus your shepherd, you can't be snuffed out. Because he knows how to fight. He knows how to defend you. In fact, I think it was MASH. You know, you remember the gentleman who caught uh, COVID last year and he went on to uh, a ventilator and he was going through some stuff and he actually flatlined, he died. He went to heaven and, you know, he saw some stuff. He came back and he shared with us, you know, what he had seen. Actually, it was a miraculous healing. MASH, uh, Ruth was here in the first service. Uh, MASH was a miraculous healing. I mean, he came from the ventilator and the next day he was in uh, the general ward and the third day he was on his... He was in his house walking, and I mean, it was supernatural. Jesus is the one who did it. And uh, when, when he came back, MASH, uh, he shared, you know, his testimony with everybody. And because MASH is not like a spiritual religious guy, so he's going to leave out some stuff that, that are going to make him look bad, you know. So he left out a whole lot of stuff. He's like, man, this one is, no one is going to believe, so I'm just not going to bring it up. And then he came to my office, and he said, PT, you know someone else I saw? I said, what did you see? He said, man, I saw this big guy. He was swinging, and he was not missing. I said, what do you mean? He said, man, there were these things that were coming to try and get me, and this guy was not missing. Every swing he was hitting. That's the good shepherd. Amen. 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 That's your good shepherd. As he leads from the front, man, he swings, and he never misses. Remember what David said? He said when he was looking at the, uh, after his father's sheep, and the lions tried to come and eat the sheep, what did he do? Man, he split that thing by its mouth. And then when the bears come, what did he do? He killed them, defended the sheep. Now, David is just a junior shepherd. Yeah. You and I have the senior, I mean, we have the top dog. He is the boss. We have the good shepherd. He's the real deal. And if he says no one can be snatched out of his hand, guess what? No one will be snatched out of his hand. He gave me this verse, and guess what? Next Sunday, we were back at it, and I said, Lord, it's your people. You do your thing. And guess what? He has done it spectacularly. 
is the good shepherd. Amen. Amen. He says in verse 29, My father who has given them to me, the sheep, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. Just in case they break the you know, first line of defense, there's still the, the, the big dog. You know, he, he's, oh, man. My father, he said, my father is greater than all. And because of that, no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. And this is why he says in verse 3 of Psalm 23, he restores my soul. He leads me in parts of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Notice it didn't say, yea, he leads me into the valley. You know, it's you doing the walking for the most part. Into the valley of the shadow of death. But even while you're making crazy, foolish decisions, you can still have some boldness and confidence because thou art with me. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Man, us. We ought to be the most secure sheep in town. We ought to be the most well-fed sheep in town. Because we have the good shepherd. Amen? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, you know, I've heard it preached before that the rod and the staff comforts because it's being used on you. No, the rod and the staff, they comfort because we know that he's already armed to defeat any opposition that might try to snatch us out of the sheepfold. Amen. And the rod, he uses it on the weapon, right? On the, on the enemies. And the staff, it's got a hook. You know, if you, if you, you know any, some of the cults, they, they, they take from this, they have a staff, you know. It's got a hook. Anybody seen a, a staff? It's got a hook. And, and this one is talking about it's got a big hook. And so when the sheep try to go astray or they're uh, wandering off into an edge where they can fall off, he would gently use the staff, his word, and bring them back into the sheepfold. Amen. Amen. And, and, and the other way, the rod comforts you as a shepherd, as a junior shepherd, is in the olden times, this is what they would do. Uh, because they didn't have diaries, uh, every time, you know, they would walk around with the rod, the walking stick, and every time that the Lord did something in their lives, because they didn't have pens and diaries and iPads and so on and so forth, every time the Lord did something in their lives, they would make a mark on the rod. The walking stick, just make a mark on it. And then when the Lord heals them, make a mark. When the Lord prospers them, make a mark. When he pays the school fees, make a mark. When he gets them a new job, make a mark. When it's, you know, 10-year uh, uh, wedding anniversary, praise the Lord, just make a mark. And then when they are confronted with life situations and they don't know where their help is going to come from, all they needed to do was to look at the road and they'll be reminded of how faithful the Lord has already been. And then it will bring comfort into their soul. Amen. Amen? And look at what else he says. We're going to wrap it up. We're going to wrap it up with this. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And what he's talking about there, you know, he's not talking about, uh, uh, man, sometimes we get crazy. You know, when, when the Bible says in the presence of your enemies, it's not talking about your auntie. Amen? When he says he prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies, he's not talking about people. 
It doesn't matter how mean they are and how mean they were to you. God is not that petty. He's not getting involved with your little beef. He's not taking sides. Jesus died for them too. Man, I'm trying to help you. When he says he makes uh, a table before you in the presence of your enemies, he's talking about he will still provide for you in the midst of spiritual opposition. In the middle of a global pandemic and an economic downturn, God will still prepare a table before you in the presence of all opposition. Your opposition, your enemies, is not flesh and blood. We do not wrestle against people. God loves people. So you need to quit sending those fire, fire prayers to people. Because Jesus died for them too. Amen? I said amen. Amen. Man, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces, against spiritual principalities and powers and wickednesses in high places. It's spiritual opposition that he is talking about here. And sometimes it can come as a health challenge. God will prepare a table before you in the midst of a health scare, in the midst of a health challenge. He will still provide for you. Amen? And watch what else he says. He anoints my head with oil. He's talking about creativity, strategy for the marketplace. Man, it will just come to you. Just because the good shepherd is leading you. And this is, listen. You know, some of you think this is just a good sermon. It's not a good sermon. This is the way I live my life. This is the way we we lead uh, 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 all of you. You know, on Tuesday, Dillian was giving us a testimony of how we are prospering as a church. Now, if you know, we don't do fundraisings, we don't sell uh, cakes, we don't do raffles. We just believe the good shepherd knows how to do his job. We don't take 15 offerings to try and coerce. We don't do, yeah, the ground is ready right now. You must come now. You know, we don't do any of that stuff. We don't do, hey, you, how much are you giving to try and embarrass you in front of everybody? We don't do any of that. All we've done is commit to following the good shepherd. And when you follow the good shepherd, he will lead you into a place of abundance. She said, man, we're flying. She said, man, and sometimes, you know, it's so much good news when I get around with my other pastor friends. I can't even bring it up because it will sound like I'm bragging. How well we are doing. She said, man, we, we doubled from last month. And uh, she said 39% of all our giving is coming from people who've never set foot in this building. They just watch online. And we didn't even have an online live streaming service a year ago. How did we get to where we are? He anoints your head with oil. He will give you a way to do what needs to be done. And he will anoint you with creativity, with strategy, so that you can minister to whoever you need to minister to. Some of you were here this year, a few months ago. uh, Someone reached out to us from New York. uh, They wanted to give 50,000 U.S. dollars. We didn't put out an email saying, yeah, we're poor Africans, please help us. We're not going to do that. Hey, all we've attempted to do is to follow the leadership of the good shepherd. And when you do, he will lead you into a path that will lead you to abundance. 
And I'm bragging on the good shepherd. In case you're wondering. Because he is a good shepherd. Amen. And that's what he's trying to do in your life. Just let him lead you. Can I get an amen? Amen. And watch, your, watch what else he says. Verse, verse, verse 6. We're going to wrap it up with it. Man, I've closed it. I've, I've wrapped it up. Man, I've wrapped it up five times already. <laughs> oh, I've wrapped it up. Oh, forgive me. Can I pray for two more minutes? Just two more minutes. Oh, forgive me. Watch what he says, verse 6. Now, when the first time I heard this verse was uh, an American preacher, and with their accent, I thought they said, you know, uh, uh, people's names, because really, you can find Shelley, uh, goodness and mercy in Zimbabwe. <laughs> I thought it was people, so when he said, you know, Surely, in his accent, surely goodness and mercy will follow you. I said, why? I don't want anybody following me. <laughs> anybody know a goodness? <laughs> oh, yeah, there you see, I told you. Anybody know a mercy? <laughs> there you go, Shelly, Shelly, Shelly. <laughs> and so he says, surely, no, surely, it's a sure thing. He says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord, and I have to stop because I'm out of time. Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Lord. Someone shout, I have a good shepherd. Therefore, goodness, mercy will surely, it's a sure thing, it will surely follow me. All of the days of my life. Notice it didn't say judgment and condemnation. What did he say? Goodness and mercy. They are your bodyguards. Man, I'm telling you, as you walk out of this place, you ought to be at your highest boldness you've ever been in your life. Why? Because you have a good shepherd who knows how to shepherd. He knows how to be a shepherd. Amen. I said amen. amen. You know, in high school, I was saying in the first service, uh, in high school, uh, it, you know, it wasn't really bullying. It was just boys being boys. You know, and so we had different gangs, you know, in the school. And so uh, I, was, I was with uh, the with form twos, you know, that's the grade uh, eight, uh, grade nine. And so there was a guy in grade 12. And... Uh, you know, he didn't really like my crew. Uh, he had his crew and didn't really like my crew, so there was a thing going on there. And, uh, you know, he, 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 he caught me one day. I had wandered away. You know, he caught me uh, by myself. You know, usually I was bold because, you know, it's, it's, it's a crew. It's a crew thing. And so he caught me uh, by myself on this corner. I mean, I just walked right into him, and he says, yeah. This, yeah. And so we had this one guy in our class called B.I.G., Biggie. We called him Biggie because he was a big guy. And uh, Biggie was, you know, our leader. And out of nowhere, you know, I was shaking. When he said, yeah, man, I'm shaking. I'm thinking, man, what am I going to do? And uh, you won't believe what happened. It was a supernatural thing. Out of nowhere, Biggie just came out. And all of a sudden, I moved from... Shaking to yeah what? Yeah what? 
And here's what I want you to see. I want you to notice there was an instant. Someone say instant. There was an instant change in my attitude. Because all of a sudden I realized I have protection. Now I'm praying that as you walk out of this place, there's going to be an instant change in how you approach life. Because all of a sudden you have realized you have a good shepherd, watch this, who neither leaves you nor forsake you. When economic challenges try to bully you, if you know what I'm talking about, man, you're going to turn around and say, yeah, what? When you have a health scare and they say, we think you might have, you're going to say, have what? Not, oh Lord, what do I have? No, I've got the good shepherd. That's what I have. You see the instant switch in attitude when you are established in this? Man, I'm telling you, it takes away all fear. Because the good shepherd is leading and we are following. Did that bless you? Man, it blessed me. It blessed me. Thank you, Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for these, your precious sheep. Lord, we just thank you that may today, may you light up a revelation of how you are their shepherd, how you are their leader, how you want to lead them in the marketplace, how you want to lead them even in the way they lead their families, how you want to lead them even in the way they lead their businesses, they lead uh, their teams at work. You have called some to be uh, shepherds to a certain measure, to uh, lead in, in the corporate world. Lord, I just pray that the same anointing that you lead with may be on them. To lead with grace and favor, insight, creativity, and strategy. Lord, I just thank you that these, your sheep, will not lack any good thing. But Father, that you will lead them into green pastures. That you will lead them beside still waters. That they will be able to join in from a revelation perspective. They will be able to join in with David and say, Indeed, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, that your goodness and your mercy will follow them all of the days of their life. Goodness, good things. Good things. Hey, I want to prophesy to someone. I mean, you've just in the past week, you've just had terrible news after terrible bad news at the foot of the other. Well, Jesus is here to turn that around. You're stepping into goodness. Someone shout goodness. You're stepping into mercy. Someone shout mercy. It will follow you all the days of your life. And I declare and decree that you're stepping into the greatest week you've ever lived your entire life. In Jesus' name, the greatest week you've ever experienced yet. And I put that word yet there because the one after that will even be better. Because it moves us from one level of glory to another. This thing is supposed to get better. 
And it will get better. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. And someone said, Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today. We